0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen.
1: Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're going to have quite the conversation tonight. The topic is my search for Christopher on the other side, and our guest tonight is Joe McQuillan. We're going to bring Joe on in just a minute. But, you know, before we engage this topic, um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about the, the continuity of consciousness and And that might seem like a, a a little bit of a mangled sentence, but it's not really the continuity of consciousness the idea that um our our consciousness this this awareness this this sense of self, if you will, has continuity no matter what and I think there's a real value into contemplating to to think about that to to contemplate the continuity of your own consciousness because in 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 the human experience on this planet the ego can tend to build up belief systems the ego can tend to build up anxiety and fear about the notion of death the notion about um dying and um, fear is a curious thing because fear can kind of reach over your shoulder and and steer you in directions you don't want to go even though you didn't know you had a backseat driver. Fear is uh fear can be a very subconscious thing where we have a an unresolved fear of death and and that fear can can bring a sense of stress which immediately impacts every cell in your body and a sense of anxiety and and these types of attributes can be running right below the surface uh, stress and anxiety from the fear of dying from the fear of how is this world going to turn out am i going to be able to survive the future that kind of thing and the, and these thoughts of the ego can Disconnect us from being present, can disconnect us from fully embodying our life. And what I like about the topic tonight and the uh, topics we've had on the show many times is the, they're a reflection of the continuity of consciousness. You know, you didn't have an ego when you were born, but you had a soul. Your soul chose to come here and have a human experience. Your soul chose a life path, a life vector, if you will, for your life right now, right now, this life right now. And no matter what happens today or tomorrow, your 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 essence, the truth of you, has continuity, whether you want it or not. <laughs> and, and I say that because you can't mess it up. You're safe. You're safe. No matter what happens, your your consciousness will have continuity on and on forever. So you can relax. The essence of you is timeless. The essence of you is safe. Spend some time thinking about that. Noodle it for yourself so your ego can, can take a deep sigh and let off some of that stress and take a deep sigh and let off some of that anxiety and you'll find out you'll have a a, a deeper connection with everybody around you. Well, that's enough about that, but um, these kind of uh, show topics uh, afford us to step back and take a bigger look at at, at this thing called the human experience. So with that said, Let's delve into tonight's episode. I think we're going to have quite a talk. Um, Joe brings quite a story. Um, He's written a book. The title is the topic of the show tonight My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. Um, It's an unforgettable book of a father's relentless love for his son who went missing. And after his body was recovered, Joe began his journey through grief, awakening, discovery, and acceptance as he, through mediums, research, and eventually, through direct communication, navigated his personal bridge to the other side. Join me in welcoming Joe to the show. Joe, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. Thanks for the kind words, Les. I really
0: appreciate it.
1: Well, you know, Joe, as I as I went through your book, um, you've got a really powerful story here. Yeah, it, it's and and your book conveys in such a, a vivid way through your eyes, through mm-hmm. your experience, uh, really a powerful story of of loss and. All right. Can you kind of give our listeners kind of a, a a snapshot of the book and so they'll understand the context of what we're talking about here? Sure, Les. You touched
0: on it. that In uh, January 3rd, 2016, uh, my son was up at a lake house in Wisconsin with a dozen pals and kicking up their heels and decided to, on a lark, jump in a three-man canoe with four boys after – couple too many long necks, and paddle out on a, on a cold Wisconsin night, and none of them came back. Uh, so from the moment I was driving up to, at the time, they thought it was still a search, and by the halfway up there, I got a call that it was recovery um, that the all boys had crossed. Um, I wanted to do anything I could to find out where my son was And if there was a way to connect and if there wasn't, I wanted to find that out too and just check it off, you know, you know, cross it off the list. And so it began a journey that was a, a two-year journey. The journey starts, of course, the, the, the the fateful day in January. And it ended, I ended, you know, the second anniversary with 38 kids at his grave celebrating his life. Um, uh, and, and uh, the, the miracle part of this whole thing is, uh, Took me about uh, 14 months to write the book, finished it by Father's Day, as I promised my son I would, and it was uh, published by Thanksgiving. And that doesn't, you know, you're in the business, that doesn't happen unless there's something moving on the other side. So, you know, my search through mediums, eventually through channel writing, through research, uh, brought me in contact with the other side and therefore in contact with my the spirit of my son, my son who crossed over, and that's what the story's about. It's called my like search for Christopher on the other side, because that's where I had to go to look for him, you know, and that's where I found him. Sure,
1: when uh, when when the event happened, I mean, was working with mediums and and communicating with people who have passed, even in your in your consciousness. I mean, had you, had you had <laughs> a semblance of
0: that? That's funny, um, uh, that's exactly <laughs> right. It was, uh, you know, I, I, I if you if you take a look on the cover, you're gonna see who I am. And uh, no, I had, had exposure to it 20 years before, or you know, 15 years before, I had on some kind of spiritual quest, met with a medium, and it was most of it was a re, rather mundane. Yet I got to the end of the session because there was nobody I was urgently looking for. You know, people. And my family had died, but they had died in the proper order, right? So sure. um, but my dad came through, and, and at the end said, and I was kind of finished with the reading, and, and, the, and, the, and the medium said to me, you know, your dad's here, and he's holding a caboose, and he's telling me railroad, and you know what that means. And, uh, and I said, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, uh, that's exactly what that means. You know, that, that, that is my dad. He spent 40 years on the railroad. All five of the boys in the family worked on the railroad. My uncle was a railroader, my grandfather was a railroader. We're a railroad family. And in the typical fashion of my dad Les, that was it. All he wanted me to know was that he was there. You know, he right. he wasn't he wasn't giving me any life advice. He wasn't telling me the secrets of the universe. He just wanted me to know that he was there. And so from that moment on I you know, I kinda of put that in the back of the file cabinet and I believed it, right? Um, I sure. believed it. I just had no reason to call on it yet. Um, uh, you know, yet you know. Fast forward 16 years later, um, I you know that I pulled that out of my my file cabinet to say maybe this maybe this is where he is. Maybe where my father is is where my son is transitioning to. How do I get there? How do I figure this out? Right, and that's that's and what it was.
1: The the idea of a caboose. And, and the notion of a train, was was something that that was so far off of uh, a normal uh, conversation. Uh, such as right. How are you going to guess?
0: How are you going to guess right. that this was before Google search? This was maybe two thousand less, right? Sure. So this was before Google search. There's no connection. My old man was something very special to me, but he was no spe- nothing special in the world's eyes. But 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 this is one thing. I mean, I literally worked on the railroad with my dad for a couple years. I was on a caboose with my dad. When I was a young man, I'd be at the Yardmaster Tower with my dad. So if there was one thing, it wasn't, you know, he was a baseball coach, but that really wasn't what he was. He was a railroader. So if there was one image that was going to, that it was real, it was that. And it just stayed dormant for 16 years when I didn't need to, when I didn't need to find out anymore at that point.
1: Right. So... I mean, and then after Christopher passed, um, um, that that modality, if you will, um, was a vehicle for you to to investigate um, that connection with the other side. When you were meeting with the uh, mediums in the beginning... Um, Apparently you kept a very
0: good notes. Did you ever think you would eventually write a book about this? No. And that's, you know, the Greeks used to say that man plans and God's laugh. Right. So (laughs) I had, I reached out to that medium from 15 years before and she had relocated from the Midwest to surprise Arizona. And I called her a few days after Christopher had passed and I just reached out and she was there and available. And, uh, and, and we had some heartfelt talks, and I kept it all. I hand wrote it. And then I figured if you could tape it, you know, if you could tape a conversation, you know, you don't have to miss the present by writing the notes, right? So I had all these sure. wonderful notes, and I would transcribe them, and I would staple them and put them in order of date in a file and put them in my file cabinet and then just keep moving on. And I had no intention. He, he crossed. He transitioned it in January 3rd of 2016 and I started writing the book of February 2017 and I had a year's worth of notes that I just assumed that when I was an old man sitting on a porch I'd be pulling these out and looking through them I, and yet a year later I was given this that was given this assignment that said write the book and help people you need to help other people that don't know what you know and that's where we started sure um
1: we were uh, you and I were just talking before the show started about the notion of of soul contracts and the idea that your soul and Christopher's soul chose this paradigm, if you will, chose this narrative um, to play out in in your respective lives. Um, how, how does it How does it touch you to um, connect with your son, Christopher? I mean, and and initially when when the event happened, I'm sure it made you weaken the knees to to kind of work through the whole um, loss process and then realize that indeed your your son Christopher is very much um, real and present and and there for you, um, to to think of that as a plan your both of your souls had in mind. Um, how does that reflect on how your life has changed now as you start writing books and engaging in radio interviews?
0: Well, that's a, that's a great question, and and to the, to this day, last three years later, you know there are still moments that that bring me bring me to my knees. You know the the you gotta understand that the loss, even though his spirit is just in the other room, he just crossed from one room to another. On Christmas morning, I didn't get to kiss him and say, happy, Merry right. Christmas, son. You know, I can feel him. I can smell them I can't see him yet, and I'm working on that, but I can hear him. Right. I get messages from him. I write them down. They're all in the book, and they continue. It's three or four times, probably three times is the average a month that I'll get up and, and at 3 o'clock in the morning and go through my ritual routine and start meditating and then get messages from him. And it's it's a gift. But the next day, it's it, it's like I've gone you know, 10 rounds with the champ, it's emotionally badgering because I i don't get to wake him up in the morning and I don't get to, you know, pour him cereal and give him a hug. But what I did find out that as a bad a deal as this is, it's the only game in town. So at least I still have that connection. I still have – I'm still his dad. You know, people say, I'm so sorry, I feel bad for you, what you went through – I'm going to tell you, I, for 21 years, I had the greatest job on this side. I was my my son, Christopher's father. Best job on the planet. I had it for 21 years. And so I feel sorry for anybody who didn't have that job, you know. Now, I'm still his father, and I'm going to, you know, with him on one side and me on the other side of the screen. And then when I cross, I'm going to be his dad in the same venue, you know, on his side. So. Um, you know, I still have that, and I would make that deal to be his dad, despite the pain and the suffering that we, we all go through, and any parent does. I'd make that deal seven days a week to be his dad again.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, 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 I very much appreciate what uh, what you say about the physical. um I've shared on the show before that I lost a very dear friend a few years back, very unexpectedly, very just cold i mean very abrupt and it's there's something about what happens in our in our physical relationships, spending time together on christmas morning or or yeah. a birthday celebration with my friend we had known each other for so long i could I could Talk shorthand. I could bring up seven topics in three sentences, and he'd keep up with it all. And yeah. I just I can't talk to somebody else that way because he, he, we don't know each other like we did. So, so when you talk about um, understanding the big picture of of his, your son's passing, and and the the soul contract and the life path, et cetera. Damn it! There's still this physical longing yeah. for the phys- for that physical connection.
0: You know, I, I'd lie to you if I say I'm well, down in the basement going through stuff and, and I'll find a a sweatshirt or a shirt. I'd lie to you if I didn't say I picked it up and smelled it to try to smell them. You know, it's we we have a connection. We can still communicate, but it's nowhere right. near the physical things that we had. But but like I said last, it's the only game in town. You know the... The real tragedy is if there was a world completely devoid, of if my world was devoid of Christopher, and so it's not. And I do know that I I will see him again. I can feel him and smell him and, and hear him now, but I'll see him again. We'll be together again on the other side. He's promised me that. And he said to me last, he said, you know, Dad, the learning curve was is going to be a lot less for you because I'm telling you all about it. For me, it was a little bit of a shock and and had to adjust. He said, You're going to know everything when you cross. And by the way, the minute you step across, I'll be right there. So, you know what? I got to tell you, I've still got work to do on this side. I've got this book. I'm writing another book. I've got two kids in college, lovely wife, have a career outside of writing. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, and so I've got work to do. But I got to tell you, if, if I know what's coming next because of my experience with my son. So if the good Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, Joe, your time's up, I'm okay. You know, I've had a life sure. beyond my wildest dreams. And if it's time to go, I know what's next. So I'm not holding on too tight.
1: Right. Well, and and perhaps um, understanding the, the, I don't know what the word, exclusive or the, the, The um, the value, I guess, of that physical presence with another. So, your relationship with everybody in your life, I I suspect, like for myself, I don't take it for granted anymore. Is that no,
0: me neither. Me neither. Don't blink. Don't blink. You know what I mean? And and seize the moment. You know. That's right. You know, seize the moment because you know. That dinner you're gonna have with your daughter or that walk down the street you'll have with your wife, you know, that's a gift, man. Save it, it. You know, there is yes. there's no guarantee. This is this is all we got on this side. You know what Christopher told me is this side? The side that we're on is boot camp. It's fine, right? But it's work. It's you know, emotional, mental, physical work. And you you get through it every day. And he said, the other side's like like a beach house, you know, in Maui or the Caribbean, right? It's on a beach and it's wonderful <laughs> and it's perfect. So it's like, wow. All, what you, what you got to do is get through boot camp, bro. And the rest of it's right. going to be whatever you know. And what I'm told, just from what I'm told from him and mediums and research, that whatever is that is you know, my father-in-law is over is there, and, I, and, and mediums keep telling me that his his heaven is. He's bird hunting, right? He's up walking through the woods bird hunting. That's his, that's his version of paradise. So that's what he gets to experience. You know, right. Chris is a, a beach and I'm with Chris. He and I are, we connect on beaches specifically in Florida. There's certain beaches that I, I felt him walk through me. I've been told he's walked through me. One is a beach called uh, Siesta Key. And a year later, my oldest dearest pal, uh, lives in Sarasota and said, well, you know the reason that you guys connected because that sand isn't sand, it's quartz crystal. Well, it didn't sound real to me. So I went up and dang, if if the quartz crystal didn't flow down 2,000 years ago from the Appalachian Mountain and that beach isn't sand, it's quartz crystal. So it's like a magnet. It's a, it's a sacred place. So by accident, I was on that beach one night. Trying to connect with him, and I just felt this amazing closeness, and that's the kind of thing I want to know more about. Right? I, right. The book that I wrote is—I'm is, so proud of it. And the truth of the matter is, I just carried the mail. The messages were from him. I'm real proud of it. But there's other things that I need to know. There's so much more to figure out. Right? What is it? You know that that it—you it, it, know—just scratching the surface. And so, you know. I didn't think much about the other side before because I basically didn't have to. But once Christopher's there, I want to know everything about it. You know? sure. sure. And
1: what's, what's, well, that, what's
0: the,
1: that? Well, the, um, as you go through, as you went through taking these notes and whatnot, um, when the notion of writing a book came along, what was the motivation that took you over the the threshold of saying, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I do want to write a book." What motivated well, you?
0: Well, I, I didn't volunteer. You know, I, I remember <laughs> like it's yesterday. Right? I, I this wasn't my idea, bro. This isn't where I thought I'd be. Right? So I had all these notes up in my office, and they were personal. I never let them leave the office. You know. I had showed them the mediums, but I'd make copies and show them because I, these things, you know, I couldn't imagine these things getting lost in an airplane or getting, you know, destroyed or you know. so. I keep them in my office. And it was a Sunday. I was downstairs, and my brother-in-law Rick was over talking to Sally, and they were Sally's my my wife, who was just a just a. I outpunted my coverage of that one, buddy. So I was down there, and she was talking to Rick. This was about a year after Christopher had crossed over. And she was talking about when Chris was two or three, he'd play hide-and-seek and how tenacious he was. He'd say, he'd go hide, and he'd find him, he'd go hide again, and he'd go take off, and he'd say hide again. And all of a sudden, that in that little kid's voice, you know, that infant voice, or childlike voice, I heard hide again. And it came to me, man, I found him playing hide-and-seek I can find him wherever he is now. And I walked up the stairs, turned on the computer, and started writing the book. So the bottom line is I'm not smart enough to figure this out by myself, but I am smart enough to follow direction. And if this was going to bring me closer to Chris, and if this was going to give me more awareness of the other side, I'm in. And I just continued to write, and it was a joy. I feel him with me. He was on F stroke every paragraph he was with me, you know, my fear is when I finished the book that maybe the connection lesson and it didn't, of course. And, and it's led to a whole bunch of stuff like this interview and, and interviews that I'm doing and, 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 and appearances and, and the next book and all of it with him next to me. So as long as I keep this going, you know, you know, this, this thing's going to continue. Yeah. You know, there's, what's that line from, from Hamlet, what is it? There are more things in heaven and earth ratio than are dreamt of in your philosophy. I mean, the thing is, we don't know what we don't know. And I'm trying to figure right. it out.
1: Right. Well, the so it's one thing to um, get the uh, perhaps sudden inspiration to write a book, and then it's something completely different to actually get a book published. Um, well, once again, once you, again you know. <laughs> how did you navigate I want to take for it? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, there's many people that feel motivated to write a book, and they just have no idea how to even engage that process. How did you go from um, no inkling of being an author to having a published book?
0: Great. Okay. So I, <clears throat> I wrote the book the way I tell a story, which was I was telling Christopher and my story with, with a whole lot of help, I think, from, from, from him. And so the first thing is I wasn't worrying about publishing the book. I was worrying about writing the book. And I loved the feeling I had when I was writing the book. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret. I knew for a fact it was going to get published. Now, here's the funny thing. I didn't realize how rare it's like one of these things when you, you know, you don't know enough to be scared sometimes. Or, you know, that right. I didn't realize I was so over my head, but you know, before I found out that this thing was done. But what happened was I I, I finished this manuscript, and it was rough, it hadn't been edited, you know, and, it, and I didn't know when I started if it was going to be 100 pages or 200 pages. I didn't really care. I just kept, I just kept, I kept pointing the boat right out to sea, and I would yeah. write. And so when this manuscript was where I was really pleased with it, I went online and looked at how to get a book published and this and that. I went online and looked up metaphysical uh, uh, agents and authors or agents and, and, and publishers. Now, the one thing I did realize, I sat down with three or four or five published authors who all told me all the same thing. Like, you got to get an agent. Nobody will talk to you without an agent. And you got to need an agent that's in your field. So I said, okay. So I looked up maybe a handful, and I sent out, you know, a snippet, a summary of the story, and I got to one name, and her name was Lisa Hagen, and I sent it off. And for some reason, I just assumed I got it or, or get back to it, and it was the last one I sent out. And, I, and, I, and a couple days later, I get an email from Lisa Hagen that said, I'm an agent, you know, I read a couple – uh, chapters of your book and I shared it with my mom you know and who was also in publishing business for about 50 years I guess and and so Lisa said I love the chapters she said for such a serious subject I was surprised you made me laugh so much she said but I'm really busy so I'm not going to be able to get to it till after the summer in the fall some point in time so I thought well okay you know <laughs> I don't think she knows what she's in for but she started it. You know, She answered the email. So every once <laughs> right. in a while I would send an email. And then a, a, mine owns a chocolate company. And I called her up and I said, hey, let me ask you a question. I'm sending out boxes of chocolate to clients. You know, would you happen to like some chocolate? She goes, I can't believe you just said that. I walked downstairs five minutes ago and said to my assistant, I wish we had some of that Swiss chocolate that we got last year. They had just run out. She goes, I would love you to send me some buying chocolate chocolate. So I UPS that to her. I get a call back and said, okay, you're tenacious, but your kid is ridiculous. He won't leave me alone. She said, every time I try to read somebody else's manuscript, I feel him around me. So she said, I finally just gave up. I gave up the guy. I read your book. I showed it to my people. We love it. We want to, we want to be your agent. Here's a contract. So, you know, signed it, loved it, excited, loved her, wonderful, we send it out to publishers and I'm getting back, I get back a couple of rejection letters. I'm naive. Remember, I'm new at this. I'm thinking, who wouldn't want to publish this phenomenal book? And she sends it back and said, you know what? I changed my mind. I pulled the offers from any other publishers because I don't want anybody else messing with this book. She said, my partner and I own a publishing company. I get 300 manuscripts a week, but we want to publish your book. And and a book that was done, finished in rough format by, by, by Father's Day was out with Amazon.com in Kindle and print, and it's now in Audible by Thanksgiving. That's so. There's something. Remember what I said about their their things. You know, uh, you know, that are, are you know that you can't dream about your philosophy. Well, that's what this was. This wasn't. This was me starting the ball down the hill and my son taking over. So this thing by the way is going to continue to grow because A, it's written with a pure heart it's written to help people and Christopher's behind it. I was on, I was on a radio show in Chicago with Man in the morning, good fella and he said so tell me and, and you know, what's the point? What, is, what message does he want? And the message is that we're not gone you lost a daughter, she's not gone You lost a husband. You lost a child. They're not gone. You just got to do the work. You got to try to, you just got to do some of the things you need to do to try to connect. You know, when people say to me, oh, my mom has been gone for five years. I've heard anything from her. I say, try harder. You know, you're not trying hard enough. Because if there was this intense love between you and your mom, she wants to connect with you. You're the one dropping the ball. So toughen up, figure out the rules and let's get going. Right,
1: right, well, so this book had to have a i don't want to put words in your mouth, but i mean what what a what a very painful event for the loss of your son, and then for you to turn yeah. around and write a book about that painful event, there had to be some some tough episodes putting words oh. on on paper perhaps and and how did it uh help you heal? The, the pain of the event, not to say that it's it's still not painful. Well,
0: what, I, what I, every parent should know, you know who's lost a kid, because people are going to come up to you and say, I know what you're going through. And no, they don't. If you've lost a kid, it's a special loss. I've lost parents, siblings, and it's all tragic. But to lose a kid is a different, totally different. So I equate it to this. It's like waking up, if you're an amputee, you wake up every day, And when you wake up, you forgot you lost your arm or your leg. And then the reality hits that it's gone, and you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach. That happens every morning. It's three years later. You know, I've got tools to help me deal with the grief, but the pain isn't gone, and it never will be until the day we're united on the other side. You know, I'm looking at my desk, and my office, this is great. It was his bedroom when he was a kid. And I have my office here with a painting in front of me, pictures of us together. And, and, and on the rung of my desk is a golf towel, and I use it exclusively for what I'd be writing. I would just cry into the towel. And then it, and it, it's like a tsunami of grief that comes over you, knocks you down for a bit. You take a deep breath, you process it, and you get back to writing. And, and, and so it, I still have those moments every day. You know, there's and the fact that I'm reliving this with interviews and and appearances, people say, "Oh, must, you must be staying in the pain." And I said, "No, the pain is not connecting. When I'm talking about Chris, he's here. I feel him here. I don't feel a loss when I'm talking to you about him. You know so you know that's the miracle. That's the hook, is that there's there's more connection to him. When we're talking about him and talking about him playing hide-and-seek and, and talking about that, that you know, of course that's difficult for any parent to process, but the void is the real difficult thing when you don't think there's there. You don't think you'll see him again. You think, you know, that it's all over at the, at the cemetery. I go to the cemetery all the time, uh, and, and, I, and it's not like I'm some maudlin character, like an old man feeding pigeons, you know? I go there usually with my dog, with a folding chair and a cigar. I sit down and I shoot the breeze with my kid, and I know he doesn't live at the cemetery, but he joins me there. He meets me there. We connect there. Why? I don't know. Because it's a, a spot that's easily. It, it helps us connect together. So I'm going to continue to go there. You know, I went and saw a, a medium called Thomas John, world famous guy. And I went and saw him, and it was a one on one. He looked at me. He goes, "You go to the, you go to the grave often?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, like, were you just there? And I go, yeah, yesterday. And he said, you know, I tell most parents that do that kind of thing, don't do that. They're not there. But I'm telling you, continue that. It's a great place for you and Chris to connect. He likes it there. Well, the energy there is great for you guys. And so, you know, I continue to do it, and I feel his presence, and it's just a gift for me. You know, so if you're, you're at Sacred Cemetery in, in Northbrook, Illinois, and you see an old man in the back service, that's me, bro, <laughs> talking to my son. Come say
1: hello. Right. Well, the 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 topic that you've written about in this book is has a lot of uh, um, uh, weight in our society. I mean, the, the notion of death is a very powerful metaphor in our society, and um, I, I want to ask you a question about your family, your the bigger, mm-hmm. the the much bigger family dynamic. When you uh when you sat down to write a book about this topic, uh, what did your your um the the big family dynamic think about uh this topic and you writing a book about it?
0: My wife and kids or the or the big family, the the 10 kids, so the big you know, family, the big family. You know, I didn't, you know, they they you know, they're all over the country. You know, we're kind of based in 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 Buffalo, New York, is where I grew up and there's four or five families still there. And we get together every year in Crystal Beach, Ontario, for a family vacation. We all rent beach houses in the same little town, and, and we spend it together. And it's really wonderful. But, you know, kind of my personality, less, I don't know if I've ever asked anybody's permission for anything. You know, I remember when I went to talk to my wife's father about marrying her, and he said, and after about an hour of him grill, you know, grilling me, he said to me, now you're here asking me permission to marry my daughter. I said, Warren, I'm 31 years old. I've been on my own a long time. I'm asking for your blessing. I'm not asking your permission. So this wasn't anybody's decision but mine. Now, what I did do was very respectfully keep my wife and kids' story generally theirs. You know, their grief is theirs. Their recovery is theirs. But I will tell you, they've all been touched by Christopher's spirit, and they all believe what's going on, and it's you know, but that's their story. So I'm really respectful of that, although they're supporters.
1: Right. Well, I I think sometimes when you're writing about a topic that uh, sometimes the family dynamic might see as taboo or off limits mm-hmm. or something like that, it can. I think can you're have talking some... about the,
0: the yeah, the, the, I'm not sure. You know, if you read the chapter on God Called Him Home Early, it was about suicide, right? It's it's about it's about suicide, which Chris did not commit, but just the fear and the strain of alcohol through a big Irish Catholic family and the losses. And that was a very difficult chapter for me to read. And, and I cleared with my two grown nephews who have kids of their own and their own families – a story about their dad, and I wanted them to see it, and it was my wife's idea to see if there was any input they wanted to have about how it was being written, and I did. And that was the one one chapter that I wanted to make sure I handled it delicately because you do feel disloyal when you talk about an uncle attempting suicide or your 29-year-old brother hanging himself when you were a sophomore in college. You know, there's a bit of a betrayal from a, a group of people that circle the wagons, you know, um, so that, that was, but it was part of the story. And by the way, this came to me after I met a medium who had talked about a strain of suicide in my family. So the, the truth is the truth. And I had to write it. I tried to be delicate and I tried to be honest at the same time. Um, but to leave it out with, would have been a a shame, would have been a scam, a sham, you know? So it was hard to read. It was hard to write. And, um, you know, most of the feedback I've gotten from the family, from the big, big, I mean, we're talking 40 of us when we go to Canada, right? Most of the feedback was that they thought it was amazing. They all adored my son. And, uh, you know, some of them I hadn't heard anything from because I just don't think they know how to process it. So, like a typical right. Irish family, let's just not talk about it. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so at at this point in your life, um, what are your thoughts and your fears as um, uh, and perhaps your loved one's thoughts and fears surrounding this, this process of death? Well, you
0: know what? Once again, like... I, you know, my I know for a fact, and my wife knows for a fact. Now, remember, my kids, I've got kids 19 and 22. So that whole concept of death, even though it's touched their brother, is is, is something that's hard to get to wrap your arms around, get your arms around that. Huh? You know, uh, I'm 62 and Sally's 55. And so we've seen enough of life and had enough of loss that with this experience and and her kind of going along for the ride and having our own experience that we both know it's not over. So we both understand that, you know, when we talk about the afterlife, Les, it's only after this life, right? Are we really that arrogant to think this is it, right? It's after this life. So in the afterlife, I know that I get to spend that with my son. And Sally knows that she gets to do that with her baby boy, right? right. So the right. bottom line is that, that, that holds no Where it may have held sway over me in the past, it holds no fear. My, old, my sister, my favorite sister, who was Christopher's godmother, who adored me and loved me when I wasn't even lovable, <laughs> you know, and she <laughs> adored my, my boy. And she's getting ready to transition. She's, she's stopped taking treatment from cancer. Now remember, everybody on the oldest group of kids. You know, her siblings are all gone, right? They're all gone. Her husband's gone. Her godson's gone. Crossed. So one of the best gifts I had, and if nobody read this other than Marcia, reading it and said, "What I got from your book was that I no longer fear death." You know, I won. I've already. You know, to me, that's the Academy Award. It's the. You know, I've. I've I've gotten the Pulitzer because I've taken the fear away from one of my favorite people in the whole world about what happens next. And she knows that Christopher's going to be there the minute she walks across that divide. He'll be there. As will my brother Jerry, my sister Pat, her husband Tom. They've all come through. I was at a medium reading in October. By name, he named five family members that were on the other side. He said, there's this family that, and there were 75 people in the room. There's this family that one at a time keeps showing up, and the medium said, frankly, they kind of scare me. <laughs> so they keep showing up. <laughs> and they kind of took they took over the room, and in, and in typical Christopher fashion, he said, you know, your son Christopher is making bunny ears behind your sister Pat's head. And Aunt Pat, you know, my sister Pat, their Aunt Pat, they all used to tease her and make jokes and play jokes on her. They loved her. But he was throwing bunny ears behind her head. He named five out of five who crossed. Now you you tell me where that comes from.
1: Right. Well, uh, it's it's psychic awareness. I mean, it's 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 been around for a long time, but it, a lot of times we don't even engage it until we have a reason to, like like you did. Um, yeah. Well, well, the you know. To know that our loved ones are waiting on the other side is such a, a valuable, wonderful gift, and and hand in hand with that is the appreciation of the people that are still on this side with us to to value yeah. the that physical experience. Um, right. so, so, how does this change your perspective of your own life? I mean, I mean, up to this event, perhaps. You never saw yourself an author or or interacting with the media. I mean, how has your life changed? Yeah, my life's changed
0: immeasurably. Uh, you know, I still have another job where I work and, and and chase the buck and and pay for college and and all of those are important. But the truth of the matter is, I thought they were really important before, right? And now I know this is a short run, brother. This is this is a short run. Stop and smell the roses. That doesn't mean yeah. work less hard or, you know, shirk your responsibilities, but just understand what really matters. You know, there's no luggage racks on horses, right? What really matters isn't what we got on this side, right? We got what we got. You know, what matters is where we're going. And I got to tell you, Les, if I were running around lying, cheating, stealing, cheating on my wife – do I really think I would have this open communication with my son or this open invitation to join him on his side when it's time? So, uh, you know, so I feel like if I want to be the best guy I could be. I want to help other people because selfishly I'm going to reap the benefits of that with the company I keep on the other side. Sign me up. I'm in. Right. Well,
1: you've started uh, some new ventures. Uh, uh, I believe you're working with teens with addiction, and and I mean, yeah. what is what, yeah. what is?
0: Go ahead. That's great. There's a place called Imbalance Ranch Academy, and and the Barrasso family run that and what and own that and what it was was an old dude ranch that they bought, and it's a school. It's a boarding house, a therapeutic school for for teens, fourteen to 17 and a half with addiction. We sent my son there um, because he's my son, and he came by it naturally. I'm 33 years sober less, you know, so that helped me find a God, you know. So um, he, he, he went there. and So we, we were, you know, we started going out there and got pretty close with them. He stayed on his staff. They loved him. They wanted him to work there as a therapist. And, uh, you know, he got restless, as the kids will do, but, but they adore him. You know, they just built student housing. So remember, this is a Dude Ranch, right? Where the forty kids—that they—they. This is an hour and a half south of Tucson, you know, which you know, out in the middle of the desert, where they, you know, work with horses and they they clean stalls and they go to school and they they work on themselves and they do spirit work and they do character work and twelve step work. And the and the year before, they dedicated a fire pit that they just built to my son and put a plaque there. And this year. They put up a new bunkhouse, and and they sent me a picture with the plaque that said, this is McQuillan Manor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this place is, it, I think it helped give us our son back. Um, so I've become, I'm on their board. Um, I love them. And one of the best things I do all year long for me, for my soul, for my spirit, is I go out there for an annual fundraiser, which is held in Tucson. I go out to the ranch. I walk the ranch, so I'm feel his spirit and a part of him will always be there. And then I take the boys, 30 of them or whatever. And we go into a, we go into a, a chapel or the bunkhouse and I, and we have a meeting together and, and we talk and I connect with them. And, and that's a gift, you know? So when they look at a guy like me, it's like, you know, I didn't read about this in books. I lived this. And, and I got to tell you, this is the path, you know, you know, find a god. Whichever god you choose is okay, but find someone. Find a god that you can get your arms around. You know, and 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 try to make something of your life. Um, you know, through the process. And and it's 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 simply one of the best weekends of my of my year. So that's something I plan to do. And I love talking to kids. I love that age for some reason just connects. I connect with them. And you know, it's kind of like being a coach half the time. You know, so. Uh, there's another so that charity we run a golf outing, and, and I, I live in Chicago and I got some of the greatest pals in the world and we and this is a, we've had three you know last year was the third annual Christmas Q outing, and I could double it in size I won't it's an absolute wonderful event a whole weekend, and we give money to Inbalance Ranch Academy for a scholarship, and then we give ranch to we give the other money to half of it to what's called the Penguin Players which is. Kids with dis- young people with disabilities doing theater stage performance. Christopher had been a mentor, and so now there's a scholarship to Northern Illinois University Special Ed in Christopher's name um, because of the money that we we raised through this golf. So the bottom line is, we get to play music, play golf, eat, have fun, and then and then fund a scholarship. That doesn't sound too tough to me. That sounds like a blessing instead of a lot of work.
1: Right. Well, um, we're getting towards the end of the show. Um, I'm
0: not ready to go. I say we do another hour left. Let's keep going. <laughs> I, I I'm just going a conversation
1: though. for sure. So um,
0: I have to, and I knew I would when I talked to you earlier. You get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the
1: uh, so when a, when a tragic event comes along, and it and it it bowls you over, and it just wipes you out, and and you go into this this despair. What what would be some uh, tips or pointers as far as how to even start a journey of connecting if it hasn't even been in your your mindset or your beliefs or anything? Yeah. Well, what far from you your say? wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Well, what would what would you say to those that have gone through such an event? How how do you be even begin?
0: Okay, I got to tell you, the first three or four days after Christopher drowned, I would hit my knees in my bed, it, and I and I hit my knees every night. And it started when I, I went to 13 years of Catholic school, and and the prayers were just I would say them by rote. It really didn't have an impact. But when Christopher crossed over, I'd hit my knees and I'd say. You know, thank you for my family, thank you God, for my sobriety, thank you God, you know, for another day. But I'd say, bam, I'm po at you. I'm I'm still po because you took my kid. And after about the third day I laid down that night and I got a I got a message. And the message was I didn't take your son. You know, his recklessness and free will, which I give him, caused him to cross early. I welcomed him home. You know, But I didn't take him. I don't move people around like chess pieces. But remember, I lost a son too. And so at that point, Les, I knew that it was him carrying me those days that I thought I was being defiant. you know, It was God carrying me. So I have to figure there's an energy, there's something on the other side. And Chris has is, is, is identified that there is. Right? They're all part of this energy that's a God, that is God. We're all part. Of it. So it's good. And and if he can send me that message, then I connect with Chris. And so what I started doing was finding, find a peaceful place, you know, wherever that is, make it a beach, your backyard, my office, you know, try to clear out your mind through meditation. You know, I have ADD and I'm I'm kind of a wild man, you know, to settle down and meditate on the thoughts of, of my son. You know, light a candle, light some sage, do whatever you need to do to put your mind in a calm spot. Remember, to connect with somebody on the other side, we're kind of spiritual slugs, right? So we've got to raise our consciousness, and they've got to slow theirs down, their energy down, and we can meet in the middle. But you've got to go first. And so that's what, if you were asking me, me, a mother, a father, lost a kid, find a way to go first. Talk to medium, research online how to communicate, Listen to uh, meditation music for contacting somebody on the other side. There's guided meditations. There's a bunch of things, but it gets you in the mindset of connecting. And when I'm doing that, and it's always at 3 o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I know it's time, he's calling me. And when I'm doing that, there's nothing in the world that could take my distraction away. I get to communicate with my son. Now, if you've ever lost somebody, like you've lost your friend, right, right? what would yeah. you do for an hour of a communication with him i mean what how much of a check would you write how far would you walk would you drive across country of course you would right so all you got to do is try to get your mind in that space where he can where he can you know kind of work his way through that's the advice i'd give you know what just try harder it's worth it right well um so
1: the listener they've they've heard this conversation they want a copy of your book they're interested in you can you share with our listeners uh, where they can get your book and sure and and your own uh, do you have a web page do you interact I do you,
0: I do I'm so proud uh, of myself well less cuz I actually have a web page <laughs> So <laughs> you can get the book in print um I uh, uh, you, you could do it, uh, you know, um, Kindle, Print, or Audible.com at Amazon.com. The name of the book is My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. Plug that in at Amazon.com It pops up. Have it, have it in your house in a couple of days. The my, I have a website that's www or whichever one, but mysearchforchristopher.com or com. Either one's going to take you to. There's some interviews. Yours, when you get downloaded, I'll put yours on there. Any appearances, pictures of Chris, kind of the story um, is there. You know, I'm happy to communicate. You want to reach out to me. You know, my email is jbmcquillen at gmail.com. You want to face friend me, Facebook me, I'll, I'll click on it. You know, I think this whole thing is I'm given a mission to connect with you all, and I'm not walking away from it. So, and yet I'm the beneficiary of all of this. Right. Well, um,
1: we've got a few minutes left. What What's some closing thoughts that you would share? I mean, give us some, some closing thoughts.
0: You mean I need to be poignant? Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> what, what I am what I need. You didn't to think this was
1: so, going to be a typical interview, right. did I, you?
0: I, no, <laughs> nobody said there was going to be a test, last. You know, the closing thought is A, they're not gone B, you got to do the work You got to start this thing It says, and I can't quote a whole lot of scripture But it says in Matthew That you need a mustard seed of faith You know, it's easy to say it's You know, over But why would you choose that negativity When there's really, you know A place to go to connect with, with people Look up mediums There's, you know, every state has them And there's websites that grade them and rate them. And, and, you know, I would do anything I could to connect with my son when he was here. So imagine what I'm willing to do to connect with my son there and just believe that they're not gone. You know, their spirits, you know, is, is just transitioned to another room. Energy can't be destroyed Les. You know, all of this now is science. Yeah, where maybe 100 years they'd burn me at a, at, a, at a stake. Now it's scientifically backed up. You know, there's pictures, videos of souls leaving the body in plane wrecks, right? So this right. is stuff that we don't understand, and we'll never fully comprehend it, probably until you and I cross and you meet your buddy and Chris greets me. You know, but that's next. And, and one thing I do tell people is if you were going on vacation last, let's say you're going to the Caribbean and you're going to some cool island. You're going to get on the Internet, right? You're going to look it up, and you're going to figure out where the beaches are, where do you eat, in my case, where do you find a cigar shop, you know, what do you do, you know, where, you know, historically, what's it all about? And that's going on a vacation for a week. Now, if there's a place we're all going, and I'm telling you, we're all going, don't you want to know what's next? You know, try a little harder. Yep. Try to figure that one out, because we're all going. Yeah.
1: Well, um, Joe, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. It's been just an absolute pleasure talking to you.
0: Well, I couldn't have had a better evening. You made my evening lesson, and it's a pleasure to talk to somebody, as in most cases, who get it. You know, the, you guys are in this world, and, and you're promoting some good stuff, and you get it, you know, and that's important.
1: Thanks. We've been talking with Joe McQuillan, and the topic tonight has been My Search for Christopher on the Other Side, the name of his uh, new book. Hey, uh, um, if if you're looking for a a psychic, I could recommend uh, Kim O'Neill in Houston, Texas. She's probably booked out several months, but... um, Sometimes even getting started in that arena can be tough because there's there's gas station psychics that, that are no more psychic than a a, a lump of coal. But um, you know, um, Joe brought up some really good points about putting out the effort to to do some research to put to get some skin in the game, if you will. To have a, uh, a better understanding of, of the mechanics of this crossing over and and uh, like I said in the in the monologue in the beginning to understand who you are as a soul incarnate as a soul in physical body the more you um, you understand the truth the more peace you can have in your persona in your heart you know life's a wonderful thing when you can show up for it for myself it's a, it's a pleasure for me to bring you episodes like this so you can get a deeper sense of yourself, to, so you can have a deeper understanding of the mechanics of this thing called life. Um, I, uh, it's just it's part of my passion, I think, to explore the, the potential of our human demeanor and, and what will help us um, bring heaven back to earth, really. Hey, I'm your host, Les Jensen. Thank you for spending this time with us. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.